everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. AnteUp, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's October 4th, 2019. You're listening to the best poker cast on the interwebs. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. How's it going, buddy? Uh, I seem to be a little more awake than you are. What's going on over there? I don't know. I'm just uh, getting up at 5.50 today uh, to uh, help watch the uh, the grandkids. Uh, and uh, it's it's... the trees aren't going to trim themselves. <laughs> and I'll be doing that after the show, so I'm already behind by four hours. So Yeah, all right. Okay. Well, I'm still on West Coast time, so... So is... I don't sound awake to you? I sound... What do I sound like? I don't, I don't understand. Uh, very monotone. You're very uh, Ben Stein and Ferris Bueller. <laughs> Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> Yeah, it's a little bit more active, so, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, the Andy Up Sweetwater Series, an Andy Up Poker Tour event that was the first series ever at Hamul Casino's new poker room in San Diego, wrapped up a successful week on Sunday. Had a lot of fun out there, Chris. Uh, met a lot of A lot of cool people, um, and a lot, a lot of people uh, had been, that was their first trip to Hamul, um, which is always phenomenal when we do an event like this. It's Part of it is exposure to get people try out a new place so that was really cool and um uh everybody i talked to had a really good time and really liked it so hopefully they'll uh come back and um support this fantastic room and uh hopefully we'll be out there uh, next year for one event if not two so right um so harry yang is our main event champ after negotiating not one but two deals chris holy uh, cow one at four-handed that guaranteed him the most money and then another heads up that gave him the title the magazine cover and the remaining cash and gave Christopher Smith the world championship seat. And two Anti-Up listeners, Scott Lewis and Ralph Mittman, made the final table. And it was fun railing them uh, until they went heads-to-head on one hand, uh, set over set. Oh. On a board that was, like, I think it was deuce tray four, too. So dangerous board to begin with. And one of them had a set of fours, one of them had a set of trays. So, um, But uh, they all bowed out before the end. Um, so that would have been nice to see an Anti-Up listener win. Um, but, uh, it was a good final table to watch, uh, regardless. So, um, and, uh, yeah, our, our Hari, that our champion, uh, he was, he was, it's funny cause you know, we just talked last week how I was trying to get on left to make a deal. This guy was Wayne Brady at this table, man. He was, as soon as he got the final table, he was talking to you and, uh, no one, no one won any part of it until they finally got forehanded. And then that almost collapsed, but they ended up doing it. It wasn't uh, an ICM actually, which is kind of rare. I haven't seen a, I haven't seen a good old fashioned chop um in a long time <laughs> since everybody figured out what icm was so 
Uh, but they all kind of worked it out, and then um, and at the end, uh, after a heads up, I think maybe half an hour or so, they finally said, forget it, uh, one guy really wanted to go to California, and uh, Ari really won the title, and it worked out. So, yeah. Like those deals where everybody seems to be happy, so. Yeah. Uh, Ronald uh, Segney went into the final event needing a third-place finish, and for anti-up listener Tavish Margers, not the cash in order to win the player of the series. And, Chris, he went on to win the entire event. Oh, man. And got the title as well, too, which came with a $550 tournament entry. Uh, Margers was second, got a $250 steakhouse credit, and trust me, I went to that steakhouse this trip. That's worth it, so have fun there. They got nice steakhouses on the uh, West Coast. I'm sorry? They have nice steakhouses on the West oh, Coast. Yeah? yeah. Well, and at casinos, too. Yeah, so. casinos. Yeah, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, had the uh, We had the uh, Seafood Tower there. Oh, so, what's that? Uh, actually, it might, not be the, it might not be called a tower there. It's a tower under Valley, but it's the same concept. So it was um, uh, two massive Alaskan king crab legs, like oh. where you break them in half. And, like, you remember, remember that time at the Tony G? The, the win. Uh, yeah, the win. Yeah, yeah, those things, right? So oh. imagine four of those, um, a bunch of oysters, a bunch of shrimp, um, and some uh, tuna. Uh, tuna. Oh, like. man. And then we added a lobster tail because, you know, you know, we're just... It may be 10 o'clock in the morning, but I'm ready for some seafood. I, I was, that made me drool. <laughs> it was good. It was good. So uh, Tavish enjoyed that steakhouse credit. And then uh, Christopher Smith, uh, who, uh, uh, as we mentioned, uh, finished runner-up in the main event, uh, was third and, and got $100 in tournament entry. So nice. kind of cool to see these player of the series things. Uh, they do it out at Thunder Valley, and now they, um, uh, they're doing it at Hamul, too. So um, give some people something to play for. And you get excited at the end, too. And it's kind of a little bit of the chop negotiations, very little at the main event, because uh, if they would have ended that in time, everybody could have got in the, the final tournament and still picked up some more points. So yeah, yeah. That ended up not working out that way. But uh, but another thing to consider <laughs> when you're talking about a chop. You know, can I get in one more tournament, win some more money there, and uh, win a title? So, um, so the Indian Poker Tour next moves on to Gila River Hotels and Casinos Wild Horse Pass. That's in Chandler, just outside Phoenix, Arizona. It'll be November 11th through the 16th. And for all the details on that, visit antiamagazine.com slash wildhorsepass. Man. All right, uh, Flutter Entertainment, the parent company of Patty Poker, and the Stars Group, the parent company of Poker Stars, are merging in a deal valuing the new company, which will be the largest online gaming company in the world, at $12 billion, just shy of what Annie Epsworth goes <laughs> And uh, the company also owns FanDuel, um, and the opening of the U.S. sports betting market was the big driver in this merger. Uh, kind of lost track of this, but 18 states have legalized sports betting now, Chris. 18. Wow. I think there are only 50, too, right? Yeah, I think there's – well, I don't know. <laughs> Some states I don't count anymore. But uh, that's incredible. I didn't realize that they own FanDuel until I read your note. That's yeah. that's insane. My Poker Stars is doing a lot of a lot of – proactive things with like their ownership and you know it's because they also merged with fox too for that so now that's right yeah, for they, the had, well, they didn't merge with fox they had a um or uh, kind of licensing yeah deal or, right a deal with right so where the sports betting so wow. that'll be interesting to what they do with that now um because uh, patty poker obviously already has their sports markets as well too but i think that was it i think obviously as we mentioned um, last week's show or a couple weeks ago that uh, starters is Really making a big push um, for sports betting here in the states. So, um, but can this time. help us though? Can it help poker somehow? Because if they get so big, they get a lot, a lot, a lot of money behind them. As far as like, you know, 
lobbyists. I mean, is, can this help us somehow get poker regulated, online poker in our, in our country? Well, I, I won't be the negative Nancy or the Debbie Downer and say no because there's a possibility of it. But uh, I would also caution our listeners not to get too excited about that possibility. It seems like everything is moving in the direction of sports betting now. Uh, I think as we mentioned a couple weeks ago on the show, you know that's that's the profit center for for these states that have legalized. The poker is not really making states much money um, in terms of tax revenue. So, and that means the people operating them <laughs> aren't making as much money, right? So. Right. I would imagine the, they will slowly get away from poker and, and continue to build up sports betting, but it uh, could be wrong. I mean, obviously, there's enough money there to go around that they can support uh, those other things, but um, and to, uh, to, to imagine that this is going to help grow the poker, I think, might be a little bit of a stretch for us now. But Okay. Hope just, just hoping. You know, they get so big that they'll have a lot of power, maybe, but I don't know. Yeah, well, that's certainly it. I mean, it's, it's a $12 billion company um, worldwide, so... Um, We'll see, but it should be yeah. interesting. All right. All right, as we mentioned last week, Poker Pro Ronnie Barda continued the curse of Poker Pros on Survivor as he was the first player voted off of the Island of Idols. Actually, the first one ever to be voted off first. The other poker players at least make it to yeah, episode yeah. two. Yeah. <laughs> they at least get clips in the uh, the opening montage. <laughs> uh, uh, and if you want some more insight on the somewhat surprising result, listen to longtime anti-up listener David Bloomberg's always fun Survivor podcast at robhasawebsite.com. He actually wanted to come on the show and talk about it, and I'm like, eh, we don't do that anymore. But uh, but uh, I do enjoy listening to his uh, show after every episode because um, it's great for Mike because I'm in a fantasy league, and yeah. um, so it's it's nice to to get his uh, and his co-host insight on on what happened because um, they, they they delve in way more than the casual fan does you know because there's that uh, ponderosa thing they go to when mm-hmm. they get kicked off which is not really a, a restaurant with a salad bar like we all thought <laughs> uh, and then uh, and then other other reviews and things like that so they kind of get that information that uh, didn't air and I did read a couple articles about um, uh, our interviews with Ronnie after he got uh, kicked off, um, and very interesting to hear his take on it. That uh, you know, obviously he was super embarrassed to, to be the first one off. No one likes to be the first one off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, pro- probably played his poker hand a little too strong there, where you know he went after the most popular, uh, or what seemed to be the most popular person, and tried to um, get them off, which is a compelling argument I think to make. But uh, that early. Um, I don't think it works. I think you need to do that a little bit later in the game. Do you remember a few weeks ago on the show I said to you, I could have sworn there was something about this Ronnie guy in the past, right? You remember that? Mm-hmm. Well, I remember what it was now. I thought he was annoying as hell, and nobody liked him. <laughs> no, here's the funny thing. Is you mentioned that to me last week before the show, and I told you I hadn't watched it. And we talked about it this week. Um, and then the guy that drafted him in my fantasy league saying, said the same thing. Um, so I was prepared to really hate watching him. And I, and I was even telling uh, David Bloomberg this um, when we were messaging back and forth. I'm like, I, I just didn't see that for some reason. And maybe I, I did watch it and I was a little sleepy. So maybe I there was a line that he mentioned in an interview that he wished he wouldn't have said. Um, and I remember him saying that. So I missed that. So, But, uh, but generally speaking, I, you know, he, he wasn't somebody I loved. But he also didn't annoy me, not as much as that Aaron, that gym owner guy. God, I want to kick him. <laughs> well, it's because you're but, annoying as hell, too. So, I mean, uh, that's you, true. you I don't mean, recognize I, it, you know? I like to be the only annoying person. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, don't like any threat to my throne there. It so. was like 10 minutes into the show, and Gene's like, oh, man, we got to get this guy off. I can't stand this guy. And I'm like, wow, really? I'm okay. like, yeah, I know. He's annoying. And then everybody on Survivor thought he was, too. And I, that's what I remember. I remember watching him on TV and being like, ugh, man. 
this guy would be. I would not want to be at this guy's table. And that's probably part of his his game plan at the poker. But you can't do that when you're playing a social game. It's different when you're you're trying to get under somebody's skin, make them make bad moves. But when you got all these other people ganging up on you, you can't do that. And yeah, I'm surprised it didn't last more than. I mean, most of the poker pros figure it out. They can last halfway through the first one well, off. That was unbelievable. I think one of the weaknesses poker players have with this is that poker, the rules never change, right? Mm. So, you know, you're always going to have a flop, a turn in a river, you know, flush is always going to be more than a straight, right? Unless you're playing short deck. Unless you're playing short deck. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> but you know that before you get in the tournament, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll yeah. enter a tournament and then, like, all right, level's up, uh, and now we're playing stud. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just being annoying um, like Ronnie and you. That's all. I was trying to be annoying. <laughs> but, you know, Survivor, it does change. You never know. I mean, you know the structure of the game, right? But yeah. the rules change every time. So, you know, you, you can't have a game strategy, I don't think. You can have a uh, game philosophy, I would say, maybe. You know, hey, I want to be the nice guy. I want to be the jerk. I want to... I want to be sure I get the idols, all that kind of stuff, right? But um, but you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you didn't you didn't know what this island of idols was, which I think is going to end up being super stupid. But um, so you know, I, I I think that's that's probably a weakness that poker players have is that that game doesn't change. You go in, you have to adjust players, obviously, and, and figure out their tendencies and how they're going to act, and and you can't always predict who's going to make a weird move or a move they shouldn't have, right? So yeah, you get yeah. that. But but the the basis of the game never changes. So here I think you have to figure out uh, how the game changes. And I, I think for me, I mean, I uh, that Elaine woman, I had her way down on my draft board. And then as soon as I saw her play it, I'm like, man, I like her a lot yeah. <laughs> on my team, right? And then um, so I think you need to adjust to that a little bit. That she she was playing a really good game. The fact that she went in there knowing, hey, I'm I'm somebody that's that that's easy a first first to vote out um person right and i'm like i'm gonna make myself super funny and uh get to know everybody so they're less likely to not, uh vote me out and i think that worked well right and yeah. he just didn't adjust to that well i think yeah. maybe a little threatened by it so um because the game changed i mean that's not something you would expect from somebody like that so. well i'm um, grateful he got knocked out because then we would have to talk about it every week on the show yes that's true yeah, yeah. I and mean, most of our listeners that don't listen to the watch survivor probably fantastically <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, go to robhaswebsite dot com and give uh, give our friend Dave Bloomberg uh, a little love because uh, yeah, we get you up. absolutely. All right, the Venetian Las Vegas will be holding a unique tournament in October, and many players aren't happy about it. The tournament has no entry fee and has a hundred and fifty thousand dollar guarantee. However, once the guarantee is met, the casino will keep all buy-ins that exceed one hundred fifty thousand. Uh, the Venetian, however, will be awarding fifty two thousand dollars in drawings during the event. The casino says the tournament is designed to appeal to a different type of player with a lower buy-in of $250 and the extra prizes, which are common in casino tournaments and pit games. Oh, man. I, you know, I followed a lot of this when it first happened, um, and I was reading up on it. And, and you know, I got to be, I got to be fair here. You don't, here's the thing is, you know, when, um, they say uh, you don't like what a DJ is saying on the radio. You don't listen, right? Yeah, channel. Yep. It's the same thing. It's it's like, okay, we can hate it, but you don't have to play it. It's clearly yep. marked what's going to happen. And when I, I, that, Although I don't like that phrase, it's appeal to a different type of player. That's always kind of offensive to me. I, I don't really dig that. But Well, I can explain what that means after you're done. So. Yeah, I mean, I know what they're saying. It's just, it's just, it's, it's weird. But anyway, yeah, I don't, 
I don't have a problem with this in the sense that you don't have to play if you don't want to. That's you know, I mean, if if you are worried that your money's going directly to the Venetian, then you know, don't play it. But you know, if if it still seems like a huge prize pool for you to play for and a chance at getting fifty two K and some sort of free roll, high hand drawing type of stuff that's going on during the tournament and stuff, then it might be something that you might want to try. But you know, you can't really get ticked off at them because they're telling you what it is. You know, it's not like it's not like you walk into the casino and you're like, "Oh, I hate the odds for roulette." Well, then don't play it. You know, so so it's it's weird. I can see you can get upset by it if um, they didn't tell you. You know, if every guarantee that you've ever played in now is revealed to you that the money actually got went in their pockets after the care, the guarantee or something, you know, you'd be fuming. But that's not what this is. So I don't know. I don't think I really have the problem with it that others have. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, well, I think to your point, I think that's the the, the concern for most people is that while it is um, explained properly in the verbiage, um, you know, players tend not to read that stuff, right? So, you know, if you're just wanting to play a tournament, you go to the Venetian, you've heard Venetian's got a big poker room, and all right, $250 buy-in, 150000 guarantee, all right, I'm in. Um, and then you, you don't read the fine print to realize what's going on. So I think that was more of the argument from the folks is that they did do a good enough job of explaining it to, to people. Now, whether they did that or didn't do that, that's what I'm not entirely sure. I mean, part of this problem for me is, uh, again, I hate Twitter uh, for two reasons. One, uh, people, everybody on Twitter is freaking angry <laughs> at everything. Right. Um, and then two, you you only get so many characters to explain. And I and I saw um, uh, Tommy um, Larosa, the tournament director's response that you know, hey, it's it's clearly explained in there. But I I don't know whether he didn't have enough space to, or whether the casino didn't do this. That's what's interesting to me is whether they they really promoted this as something different in the room, so you you were well aware of it before you would buy into it. Um, if they did that, then. That I think uh, there's absolutely no problem at all with this, and, and people need to pop down, pop, um, pipe down. But um, but what I like about it, and why I'm a little upset that people are are, are critical, I understand why they are. But um, they are the, when I say a different type of player, they're going after the casino player, not right. the poker player, right? So right. You know, and if you've ever played or ever seen a sign to casino for three card poker tournaments or craps tournaments or slot or any of those kind of pit game tournaments, right? This is the style they do it in. So, um, you know, it's, it's not like a poker tournament. Um, so those are what those players are used to. So this this kind of thing is not surprising to them. Um, so this is a way of getting new players potentially to play poker. And I think we should all like that, right? Um, especially, theoretically, players who are not very good. <laughs> yeah, so, right. <laughs> so, you know, so think of it this way. If, if, the, if this is what it takes to get a craps player to finally sit down in a poker tournament, and then the, they sits down and he's like, "Wow, I really enjoy this. I'm going to come back tomorrow and play the next tournament, which is not this casino type poker tournament." That's a good thing, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so you know, and if you know, if it takes giving fifty two thousand dollars away in drawings uh, to get those kind of players to to play their game, I, I'm all for that. I mean, I mean, how many times have we been talking the show over the years about you know what are we going to do to attract new players to the game? Well, here's a way. Um, it may not work, but you know, so let's. I, I just think they need to calm down on the criticism a little bit. I get it. I understand it. Um, if you are a recreational poker player, you might trip into this thing and not realize the deal. But you may not. You might also like it too. I mean, if you're a recreational poker player, right? You, you probably don't cash a ton, right? Mm. 
so now if I enter this tournament and through a spin of a wheel or whatever they're doing, I don't know how they're doing the drawings, I get a thousand bucks. All right. That's well, kind of cool. Here, here's the big question. Uh, the way you've written it, it says the Venetian, however, will be awarding $52,000 in drawings. Is it coming out of the Venetian's pocket or is it coming out of the player fund? If it's coming out of the player fund, there's a huge problem. Well, I mean, there's, so. but there's essentially no player fund here. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's a $150,000 yeah. prize pool. So that's what's going to be paid out regardless right. of how many people enter, right? right? If four people enter, 150000 is going to be paid out. Right. If 1000 enter, 150000 is going to be paid out, right? Right. So everything above that 150 is going in their pocket. So from the Venetian standpoint... Technically, they need to get two hundred and fifty-two thousand in that prize pool to um, to not eat anything, right? Two hundred and two. Uh, two hundred two. I'm sorry. Two hundred two. Yeah. Uh, right. To, to not have to take a loss on this, and then obviously they're hoping that they're going to let way more on that and make some money on this too, which they they probably will with the the, the regular rate of players they get for these events. So, um, so yeah. So I mean, that's. It, I mean, I guess you could argue it two ways. I mean, you know, if the Price pool, price pool, and I'm using air quotes. You can't see me, obviously. It's not a show. <laughs> price pool ends up being 300k. Yeah, technically, players are paying that 52k now because it's exceeded the guarantee and then some, right? But um, if it doesn't hit a 150, then the Venetians paying that 52. That's what I want to know. I want to make sure that is that, and it's not coming yeah. out of the overall player fund that's been paid for through their dollar drop or something yeah, well you know it maybe it comes out maybe that 150k includes the 52 in drawing like that i don't know that could be um i, I didn't look at the yeah i don't think it does i think i, I think i read it i don't think it does so yeah i mean it's you know again it's like a debate class you could argue it either way right so the same as like when you went on your poker we're talking about the, you know the hinge mob right so hey i've i've got one hundred thousand dollars in career winnings all right is that an accurate statement Yes, it is. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Do you actually have $100,000 that you won? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd want to hear from our guys on Annie Up Fans uh, on Facebook. I want to hear what they have to say about it. Um, so I'm going to post a recap. I'll remind them that this was part of our conversation. I want to see what our guys are thinking about it. Uh, okay, Annie Updates. AnnieUpMagazine.com has a more modern, sleek, and easier to navigate look. Plus, it's mobile-friendly. Check it out and let us know how we can improve it. Uh, don't forget, too, now that we have this website, we have a new digital version of our magazine. I posted on the on the recap on Facebook, but uh, you can check out our magazine. Now it's a new digital, more kind of uh, enjoyable, animated kind of version of the magazine. Uh, go click on that, check it, look at it, and see what you think about it. Also, we love hearing from you guys, so if you have a hand of the week or a listener spotlight or call the floor submission, email us at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or post an Antiup fans group on Facebook. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us, and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call of Four and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This comes from Lance Collins, and uh, this kind of touches on the Venetian thing for me, but we'll we'll see. Uh, one of the above-ground poker rooms here in Houston keeps track of tournament players each month and awards points based on a number of tournaments played as well as how deep the player gets. Uh, the more points for a final table and still more points for winning one. At the end of the month, there's a tournament on the final Sunday where the top 30-point earners get to play for free. So far, pretty typical. Uh, but then he says, however, this tournament is also open to the general public. It's not a closed free roll. So walk-in players can pay the $140 entry fee and play against the 30 free rollers who, uh, and whoever joins the open field. But here's where it gets interesting. The club does not contribute the buy-in for the 30 free rollers. They are playing completely for free, and the total prize pool only contains funds generated from paid entrance. The club defended themselves by pointing out that there's a guarantee. Uh, it's irrelevant, really, not only because they've 
easily covered the guarantee just on the backs of paid entrants, but also because if they pay the buy-in for the 30 free rollers, that would count against the guarantee anyway and nearly cover the guarantee on its own. To me, this really smells. I think there should be $140 in the prize pool for every player. I'm not even sure this would be allowed in some place like Nevada. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, so I think your last point, yeah, there, there, I, I can't imagine any gaming jurisdiction that I'm familiar with uh, allowing something like this uh, to take place. So I think you're right on that. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned at the beginning of this that this, this is a lot like the Venetian thing, and I think it is, right? So, I mean, again, you have your choice to play this or right. not, right? Right. So if you don't like it, don't play it. Um, and if enough players don't play it, eventually it's going to go away, right? <laughs> Poker Room is not going to continue to do this if – uh, they end up not getting anybody to buy in, and they have three thirty free rollers playing for nothing. <laughs> so, uh, so that's really how, how you how you handle this, I think. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, he's right. I mean, obviously, I mean, the way this would be handled in a real casino is that those the casino would pay the one forty for each of those free rollers, in, and you would have a, a proper prize pool to play for. But. Um, you know, I, I I wouldn't. It's not something I would do. Not a promotion I would run. But but I get why the room probably does it. Is that you know you're trying to get the that that play leading up to it. So it's an incentive to get those folks into play a lot, and that's where they'll, they'll make their money on their seat rentals, and then um, and then then you get to play in this tournament where you don't have to pay anything, and you get some of the prize pool. So I would imagine those free rollers also would would like the casino to kick in that 140 from them as well too, right? So. Yeah. Uh, they want that prize pool to be uh, as big as it should be as well, too. So, um, so Lance, what I'm going to be really interested in is uh, you know keep keep tabs on this and let us know whether how long this continues for. Uh, I suspect that it, it probably is not sustainable because of those reasons. But yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's interesting. At some point, you can look at it and be like, well, you know, they are guaranteeing it. You know, we're just letting three guys thirty guys play for free. So if people, you know, were wise, they wouldn't enter it you know, and pay to enter it, you know, but then they're saying, well, wait, I know I'm going to get a guarantee for my 140. So it's really kind of bizarre. It's, you could do the whole debate club thing again and argue with either side. Um, well, and again, this is all like the Venetian, the way that, uh, in my back and forth with Lance, he said that, uh, um, a couple of the players didn't really figure this out until the price pool was posted and they did the math. Yeah. Uh, um, so now that, that doesn't mean that the, the poker room didn't, explain it and they just missed it right so um but the casino didn't explain it that's really horrible but if they explained it and people just missed it that's a different story mm-hmm. um but um yeah if, if you know this is the deal i i don't know why you would pay 140 hours um to play in this unless you just like desperate to play that day yeah exactly <laughs> you just wait another day and play another tournament yeah, for 140 yeah, like, or... <laughs> i mean just, i mean why why pay 140 when you know there's 30 people in there you're fighting against that didn't pay um and the casino didn't pay for them yeah, so that's weird um, it's a horrible deal for you um so hey we have a new o'malley's move here it comes Welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are back at one of our regular home games playing 1-2. We've been playing for two hours and have a stack of 275. We're up 75. The blinds post, an MP limps, another MP limps, and we look down in the hijack at the Queen of Hearts, Queen of Clubs. The standard raise in this game is 4x, but with two limpers we make it $12 to go. The MP calls, but everybody else folds. The MP is a loose player, but is mostly passive. 
He'll play almost anything and really only comes alive when he has something. He busted out and rebought right before this hand. There's $29 in the pot, and the flop is the Ace of Hearts, Eight of Hearts, Tray of Hearts. Not a bad flop. I'm not all that concerned about the Ace, and we have the second nut flush draw. The MP checks to us, and we make it $20 to go, leaving us $243 behind. The MP calls with $168 behind, after a little hesitation. There's $69 in the pot, and the turn is the Jack of Hearts. Once again, the MP checks. I think we're good here. We're going to put out a value bet. We make it $35 to go. The MP thinks for a short time and calls. The pot is 135 and the river is the four of hearts. The MP comes alive and makes it $75 to go. This only leaves him with 58 behind. So, is he sending a message here? Trying to get us to fold? Did he just lose count of his stack? What's the move? It's time for the VancePokerTraining.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast to Andy at magazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Steve uh, Palachek is back, Chris. Yeah. And um, so a little uh, to hand within a, um, I don't know. I'll just say what it is, but it's a little more complicated just to hand, so. It's more uh, complicated than a hand, but it's more simple than a. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a situation. What is it? <laughs> all right. So it's game two of a ten game series. All right. Okay. Uh, the winner, or the ultimate winner, gets a buy into the 2020 World Series of Poker main event. And as Steve says, lots of skittles involved in that. Um, he says, as a side note, in the past week, um, I had a first and second place finish in other games with 40 plus players. So it's feeling good about how I've been playing lately. Um, so, uh, you know, I guess this is what I'm saying. So it's not just uh, winning the hand or winning the tournament for the night. Um, there's some strategy involved oh, in okay. long-term success and yeah. getting points to get this. Gotcha. Uh, right. All right. All right. So single table, 10 players. Uh, he says, we all play together frequently. So there's a lot of hand history to base decisions on. Starting stacks are 25,000. Blinds are 100-100 with no big blind Andy yet. Third hand of the night. Uh, we are in the big blind. Uh, the action folds to the hijack who raises to 300. Cut off a uh, button and small blind folds, and now it's on to us. So we've had the uh, hijack raised to 300. Nobody else in the hand. We are the last. Uh, we have uh, pocket fours. <laughs> I should probably tell you what we have. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, how about you tell me what the hand is? <laughs> um, all right, so we got a small pocket pair. It's really early. We got some money involved. He makes it 300, and the blinds are 100, so I just got to call 200 and maybe win a decent pot early on. I mean, I got 25K in front of me. I can handle 200, so let's let's set mine and see what happens. Yeah, I think we actually go beyond set mining here. We actually got a hand heads up. You know, um, Obviously, this guy could have a pair as well, too, but could be making this, this raise from that position with lots of unpaired hands, right? Right, so, right. It's possible our fours could actually hold up here, um, or at least we can we can bet with a little bit more impunity than we would be in a multi-way pot. So, um, yeah, easy call for me here. Um, I guess you could because we are heads up. I guess you could make the the argument that we could raise here um, just to see what this hijack has. Um, um, I like to go back to what Steve says that they all have a lot of history of each other. So if, if I felt that that hijack player was somebody that I could push off this hand right now with a raise, I, I certainly would feel comfortable doing that with force. 
Um, if it's not somebody that I could pull, uh, push off, then, then definitely calling. So, yeah, I never like to do that when I'm out of position the rest of the hand. But if you knew it was a player that you say that you could push off because he's just really loose and or whatever, then yeah, I might consider it just to take it down now and not have to worry about it after the flop. Um, but this is the kind of hand I'm probably just going to call it early on like this. Yeah, third hand of the night. So yeah. There you go. All right. Um, our hero says the villain tends to be loose aggressive. We'll play any two cards at any time um, and we'll bet or raise withdrawals post flop. My table image is of a tight player who plays a lot of ABC poker, can fold big hands when I think I'm beat. Um, he says some of the better players take advantage of my Im- image sometimes, but I do not think the villain is one of them. He does, does not tend to take position to account for himself or his opponents. Uh, last season, he finished 10 out of 10 and missed the first game of this season due to work travel. So with that extra information, I guess that's where I'm getting back to. I mean, I think this is a spot where maybe you could raise this guy. Um, and um, being having a tight image yourself, you, the players have to give you a better um, – give you more credence for a better hand there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but – um, he doesn't say what he did, but uh, I'm guessing we just called. Uh, so the flop is a uh, Jack Seven Four Rainbow, and we are first deck. Well, we clearly check. I mean, we're we're one of the guys that were just in the blinds. We just called because it was so cheap, and we're got a huge stack, and we let him keep the action. We don't just bet now and make him fold his you know king queen or something. We totally checked him and let him see bet, see what happens, and then. You could just call as a great flop. I mean, nothing is getting there on the next street from somebody who raised in a hijack. I mean, unless he has something like five six. So, really, this is or even eight nine or something. I mean, that that's just not probably probably like likely. So, uh, I'm gonna just check call. I think I'm gonna check, let him bet a decent amount, call, and then on the turn reassess and maybe bet into him or let him. If it seems like he's gonna bet again, let him do it. Yeah, I'm going to walk the dog as long as I can this hand <laughs> this one, so we'll see what happens. Now, if he checks behind here, then we obviously got to start betting on the turn. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but if he's going to keep firing at this, I'm going to keep calling and let him uh, keep giving me some dog food. So. Yeah. All right, our hero says we flop bottom set and decide to let the villain see bet with the intention of check raising. Ah, I don't want to check raise here. No, I don't want to scare him. Yeah, yeah, I want to let him keep fire another turn on the turn. Um and, uh, yeah, not, not chase him out right here, but all right, we'll see what happens. He says, my plan works out with a villain betting 800 into the pot of 700. Well, that's a nice bet. And, uh, so it's back to us. Uh, I might just call. Like I said, we talked about it. I mean, I don't think there's any danger on the next street. Um, I mean, if he somehow hit a set of sevens or jacks, you know, that's going to suck. Well, we're we're going to yeah, lose we're it anyway. Yeah. That so. yeah, so he must oh. just call. Yeah, again, I, I like calling here and um, and let him. If he overbet the pot on this one, maybe he'll overbet the pot again, and that's gonna be pretty nice. So, yeah. All right, our hero has a different take, though. He says we are definitely raising. It's just a question of how much. I think for a short moment and raise to twenty two hundred. Villain thinks for a minute and then raises to thirty eight hundred. Back oh, wow. to us. Wow. Well, now it seems like we've got somebody who either has ace jack. Or an overpair to that jack, and they're pretty happy about it. So or jacks or sevens. So this is where I get a little scared. But yeah, you know. but I, I I don't know. Let me ask you something. If you had top set on a rainbow board like this, and somebody bet into us after, and then we ra- we raise their raise, you know, and then I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I think I just call and let them. Oh no! At this point, if I got somebody that wants to raise me back now, I'm like, I got that that fish on the on the line. I'm going to reel it in. So. 
I, I wouldn't be raised again with a set of jacks or set of sevens here. Hmm. Uh, now, I'm not saying that I'm petrified of those two holdings. I just have to give those credence now. So, um, you know, at this point, I think maybe I'm just going to call now because I don't, you know, I'm hoping he's on something like you mentioned, like a two pair hand. I don't think he's doing this with Ace Jack now. Right? I don't think. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, again, this guy finished 10th out of 10th the year before. <laughs> yeah. You know, so maybe he does. I don't know. Yeah. Well, either way, I'm like, I, I think I'm a little bit cautious now. We're, we're early in this uh, this tournament. Um, you know, I don't know what their point series, uh, the, how the points breakdown are, but I'm going to guess if you're a first out, you don't get anything <laughs> or you get something limited. So I think there is some strategy in, in trying to not do the normal thing in poker, which is play to win, right? I yeah. Think, I, I think there's some credence to getting far enough to get some points and then playing to win, right? So right. I don't, I don't want to go out on a third hand here. So um, I, I think I'm going to slow down here, call, and uh, check call the rest of the way and, and hope that I'm not up against one of those sets. I mean, there's plenty of money in the pot now. I don't need to get more money in, I don't think. So. I don't know if I could check call the rest of the way. I, I can't do that with just two hands. I mean, I, I would see me getting a little more aggressive if this guy bet to get on the turn i might raise him i don't know i, I just can't see check calling with a set i you know there are the set over set things we talked about it in the any poker tour event just happened and all that but i don't know i have third hand of the night you know this guy's kind of loosey-goosey and he's finished 10 out of 10 so i don't put him on being a great player um but i don't know if i could check call the rest of the way i gotta get some value out of my set i think but anyway let's let's see let's see what happens all right. Well, he he raised the thirty eight hundred. So are we calling here? Or are you re raising? Um, I, I if I'm I'm with you. If if I think I can call one street now and make and then check to him and make him make some big bet and then get it all in because it feels okay. like this guy's going to want to bet the next street, especially if it gets a little more wet on the board. So oh yeah, I don't think this guy's going anywhere. Yeah. So. so let's let's call check and let him bet and then put him to a test. I'm I'm ready to make some money on the turn. I think. Okay. All right, here it says, I'm surprised by this move. And he says, in reality, this is a good thing, is now I can start to narrow down his range, pocket pairs from aces down to sevens. Uh, Ace-king, ace-queen, ace-jack. I'm not sure where ace-queen came from, but um, um, or really ace-king of that matter, but I guess it's possible. Um, he says, since it's a rainbow flop, we do not consider any flush draws. A suited five-six could be a possibility, as he likes to bet draws, but his three bets suggest better than a draw here. As stated, the villain likes to gamble, but usually will fold when I show this much aggression back. Um, uh, he says, the action is back on me, and I still think my set of fours are good here. I four-bet the 10,000. He says, I don't think I've ever four-bet my poker life. <laughs> uh, villain thinks about for the 30 seconds and shoves for 25,000. Hey, this guy, I, I don't think he has a set. I really don't. I really feel like when you have that kind of a dominant set or something... I mean, I I feel like if he had like a set of jacks, that he's just gonna, you know. I mean, I guess when we make it ten grand, he's it, he, he he's probably got something like kings. I just I don't know. I feel like a set of jacks, this wouldn't have played it this way. I feel like it would have just been like I'm gonna get what I can, try to because you you don't want to scare anybody when you have the absolute nuts. So this guy wants to you know he must be convinced that we have a hand that he can beat, um, and it just. I don't know. I just don't think he has a set of jacks. I think if he had it, if he knew he was golden here, why would he keep pushing us? I, I feel like, I don't know. 
I, I don't know. It doesn't feel, something doesn't feel right here. Something seems. I'm going to call, though. I'm not going anywhere with a set of fours. All right. Wow. Uh, You're going to fold a set of fours? I don't think no, so. I, I honestly can't set a, uh, fold a, a set of fours, so I'm going to call as well, too. I, I, yeah, I guess I go back to what I said, though. I mean, this is not a situation I want to get into this mm, early now. Right. I don't really see a scenario where this we wouldn't have been getting it all in by the end anyhow. So I guess it's a little weird for me to say that, but um, uh, because you know if we had just called the thirty eight hundred, which is what I would have done, you know now we've got wow ten thousand in the pot. So his next bet's going to be at least ten thousand, and that's on the turn, right? So then. Yeah, we're going to get it all in at some point anyhow. So, I mean, I guess I shouldn't really worry about it too much. So, yeah, I guess if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out with a set, you know, flop set. I mean, that's that's a hand to go out with, right? So, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and there is a lot of reason to believe that he's got something that we can beat here as well, too. So, kind of sucks that we got uh, got a big hand this early on. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go anywhere. So, All right. All right, our hero says, I tank for what seems to be like five minutes. I know his range of the over pairs or one of the other sets. I think, uh, is he playing to my table image of being able to fold big hands, or does he really have the bigger set? Am I ready to go home after only three hands and significantly reduce my odds of winning the 10-game series and a return trip to the main event? If I fold, do I show my set? I've been working on my knit table image and think this could be a defining moment in changing that image. After my analysis, I decide that he has an overpair. I make the call and table my bottom set. The villain table's queen, queen for an overpair. Yay me! <laughs> I made the right read. Turn comes a jack giving me a full house and a little more relief, but the poker gods would have none of that as another jack comes on the river. Oh, no. Jacks over queens beating my jacks over four. Oh, no. Flop set just got counterfeited. People <laughs> oh, went no. silent as I just slumped back to my chair to reflect on uh, what just happened. The villain went on to take seven of the remaining nine players out and winning the tournament. Wow. Oh, no. That's brutal. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of the whole TJ Cloutier thing about the, the pair that loses the most, the hand that loses the most money is bottom two pair because they always get counterfeited. But yeah. I never think of counter counterfeiting set. Getting counterfeited, <laughs> That's yeah. unreal. Oh, that's sad. Oh, man. See, but he, he's right, though. He played it right. He he put the guy on the right hand. He made him commit his whole stack to an over pair. Uh, he flopped his set like he wanted to. Everything went the way he wanted it to. The only way I think you get this guy off his hand, maybe. No, I don't think you do. I don't think you do. I, no, even, if he was willing to five bet all in on this flop yeah. with an overpair, he's not going. Anywhere. Yeah, even if you shoved on that turn after all this I mean, betting, he might go away if there's an ace or king comes on the turn of the river. But uh, but again, we're not trying to get him to go away. We, I mean, we wanted we wanted this scenario. We just didn't want to play out this way, right? I mean, we right. we had. Dead to two outs, and uh, well, pretty much dead well, to two the, outs. The other outs of the jack, yeah. But if you, if he, if he, if you're right, if if we do make the call on the turn and not so aggressive, then the jack comes. Now three jacks looks like are on the board, and you could have gotten them off his hand. But at that point, you don't want to because you got fours full of jacks. You think you're good. You're hoping he has a jack. Up, so, right? Yeah. So no matter what we do, it doesn't matter. We're screwed. Yeah. The only time is if we would have got to the river. I mean, so here's here's an interesting discussion. It's hard to say because we wouldn't know how the betting would go until then, but. If we still had chips left on the river when there were three jacks out there, now what do you do? Yeah. You get away from it at that point? Yeah. At that point, I think you can because you can put them on any random seven, any random jack. They're making quads or a bigger pair than your fours, which is easily out there. So I think you can get away from it on the river. Yeah. But, I don't, right. I, but I don't think we never get him off his hand. So that, yeah. But, yeah, we can get away from it if we played it a little more casually. But 
it was such an aggressive hand. Wow, right from the beginning, aggressive, aggressive. Yeah, I mean, again, as we talk about the the, the deep stack um, uh, at Hamul, I the tournament directors are shocked how many people went out in the first two levels, including myself. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what happens. I mean, it doesn't matter how deep you are. I mean, if you get two good hands going at it, um, you know, all those chips, whether it's ten thousand, twenty five thousand, hundred thousand, are going to get in the middle. Yeah. Way, you know, it doesn't matter at that point. So, wow, that's brutal. Uh, that's a tough way to go out, Steve. Sorry, man. Sorry, Steve, but you made the show, <laughs> right? That's got to be worth like one position on that. Always a good consolation prize. <laughs> All right, I'm Chris Casenza, and I'm Scott Luck. We'll see you at the tables. Anti Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.